0: Real Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you weekly by Woody Overton, Jim Rathman, and executive producer Toby Tomplay. ...or what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton, flying solo again today due to COVID, etc. And I'm going to be bringing you the conclusion of False Positive... Now, y'all remember I told a story about a month ago, maybe maybe four weeks ago, I don't remember, the, uh, called I Shot That Man. And at the end of that story, I told you that you wouldn't get it for a million dollars. You couldn't figure out how this two-part series was going to tie into that one, right? You still want, not But I'm going to tell you at the, at the very end. It's pretty, pretty crazy. But love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. I hope you're staying safe. And I hope your families are doing well, and I hope uh, you're making it right. So just stay strong in this time, and hopefully things are starting to turn around, and we'll get back to doing what we do. Now, this is the last episode, Lifers, in Season 4, and we'll be starting Season 5 soon. going to be a lot of big changes coming up, a lot of different great things happening that we're working on, so... Just stay tuned. All right. When I left y'all on false positive, they had already tested the, the bank manager, the lady who said she was kidnapped overnight, et cetera. She picked out a male suspect out of a photo lineup. I mean, instantly picked him out. Said she recognized him as one of the guys who, uh, kidnapped her from her home and when they were duct taping her up and masking her up she saw through his mask the facial features and she know, knows his voice grew up with him all through high school knows everything about him etc and uh i mean she id'd him she picked him out of the six pack i mean you can't make that shit up so they being the powers that were working the case, right? And, and that was God and everybody. It was the small town PD where it happened, the sheriff's office in the parish where it happened, uh, Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office, the feds, state police, everybody was in on it. And powers that be scooped him up um, based off of the positive ID from the six-pack. And they get him in, and they bring him to me to polygraph him, right? They question him. I watched the question and he's like, fuck that. I ain't had anything to do with it. The, the, you know, he was adamant. And he couldn't see me where I was watching, but he was adamant. He had nothing to do with it. Uh, he was at work. I was at work. I'm telling you, I was at work. When did it happened last night, bullshit. I was at work. Go check my work at schedule, but they didn't do it. Then they decided to bring him to me to polygraph him. Uh, um, let me tell you a little bit about it. A lot of y'all probably, just like on the girl the the manager she had been up for over 24 hours and I hounded her on the participation question based off of what the Fed said and the I was now at the time I, I was a rookie polygraph examiner I had just graduated from the school I had just taken my state board just a couple months before uh, I had taken my state board test the written test and passed it and then once you do that, you have to do a year's internship underneath uh, under the supervision of another licensed polygraphist that's approved by the Louisiana State Polygraph Board, and uh, you have a year to complete 25 tests, and then you have to go before the oral board, which is the polygraph board where they ask you questions, but at that time, you have to bring five charts to submit for review if you have to make five copies, one to give to each board member, and they review each one of your charts and they score it. And then you, you have to present your own score sheet and tell them how it comes out. So it's a real lengthy process. Uh, the shortest they would let you do it in is in six months. And when I started, y'all, I, should, I mean, look, I've, I've supervised since then over the years at the request of the board. The board has personally asked me to supervise three different internships. Uh, over the years, one was for the chief of police of Jennings police department. One was for a captain with the Baker city police department. And one was for a trooper who is now actually, uh, on the sits on that polygraph board. Right. So we're talking uh, over the course of many years. Now you got to, the reason I'm digressing is because I forgot to tell you in the last episode, I was just a couple months out when I did, I shot that man, uh I think it was like two months before this case. That was my first murder confession off the polygraph, right? And he repeated it exactly. And, and he said, Mr. Woody, I shot that man. Mr. Woody, I shot that man last night. So remember, I knew just enough really to be dangerous in the polygraph world. And going back to... Um, the bank manager and hounding her. I was hounding her on that participation question about that press net lock or whatever it was. Right. And remember that I, I went back to him and I said, Hey, she failed it, but I don't believe, uh, she participated. And in the problem with it, y'all is that I had hundreds of thousands of inter- hours of interview and interrogation before I became a polygraph examiner and 98.5% of what I do for a living is read people and the body language, et cetera. And I don't even need the, the polygraph, right? So, but it's a great tool. It's a great investigative tool. But again, I was kind of a rook at it. And um, it is what it is. So they bring this guy down to me. And I, I again, I separate myself because they've been questioning, they've been hard on. Him. They swamped donkey, them drug him, skull drug him out of his house and all that shit. Right, so he's got no love for them. I have to establish a connection and bring him down, you know, get him in. But the problem with this guy was he walks in the door and the he's fine. And it looked just like he's pissed off, but uh looked just like he did when they were interviewing him upstairs. And he walked in and they introduced me as Detective Woody Overton. And I put my hand out to shake his hand and the dude I thought he was going to pass out. I mean, I I'd never seen that much color drain from a person. Uh, uh, he started sweating, and it was cold in my little office. When he started sweating and everything, he was like, you know, I, I knew something was wrong right away. So long and short, I get him in and sit him down, and I made my introduction. I told him who I was. I told him, I said, look, man, just here, you know, about uh, this kidnapping last night and this bank robbery. He said, man, I didn't tell them I had shit to do with it. They can go to my work. He said, man, I work nights. And he said, there's like a 100-some people out there and cameras and everything that can tell them I was at work because they told me it happened at 7.30 at night. I go to work at 6 o'clock. I think it says 6 to 6. Uh, He's worked the night shift. And, again, being a rookie examiner, one of the things they teach you, I, I went to the um, the Department of Defense Polygraph Institute School, right at, at, at Texas State Police Headquarters in Austin, and it's all hush hush. It's, it's that's the only school that has the government, same one the CIA, Secret Service, all of the examiners use. Um, but one of the things they teach you in that school is don't let a polygraph take the place of a good investigation. This is where I fucked up just like on the girl earlier, you know, I, I want to please. Plus I want to, you know, get some notches. i my a belt and polygraph, but he was, he was real adamant, man. And, and he, and, but he was, look, he's there. And he just had slumped down in his persona. That, and after I explained who I was, et cetera, and look, I had to get him past Miranda forms, the Miranda rights. I had to get him past the polygraph forms I had to get him get past all this shit to get him to talk to me and it was hard. I mean, so it wasn't easy. But I you know, I played I found out what level I need to connect with them on and I got there. I tried to make him see me as as look li- as little of a threat as possible. And I just told him I said, Look, dude, if you didn't do it, take the test with me. I'm gonna get it right. And you'll be clear, right? And, and uh, But he was so adamant. He said, and I got him to sign the forms. And he said, but I'm telling you, just tell him to go to my work. He said, shit, it ain't 20 minutes from here. Tell him to go to my work, you know. And I pushed on as a rookie examiner. And, and again, this isn't my case, y'all. They called me in, and I started it in on, on the manager, right? And she happened to pick him out, a six-pack during my polygraph, et cetera. So I really didn't have a dog in this fight personally uh, um, other than the polygraph angle. But so get him in and sit him down, uh, get him past the forms. And, but his demeanor is just, he is sweating buckets. He's just, I'd never really quite seen that on anybody. who just wasn't totally guilty and I couldn't figure it out for life. I mean, right. And um, so, Finally, it got to the point where I got, we went through the medical questions and, and all that for me to determine whether or not he was mentally and physically able to uh, take the test, and I had to pass him. I mean, he was a healthy young man, respectful young man. And, and he's not a gangbanger or whatever, you know. I mean, he's just – he he had a full-time job. He worked like uh, five nights a week, like like 60 hours a week, and, and and it it wasn't a great job i can tell you that he was working his ass off it in i think it was at, at at a chicken plant where they cut chickens all night um so at the last minute i asked him did he need to take a break before we got into the, the formulation of the questions for the test and he he wanted to take a break so i left him alone and i went up and i talked to the powers of being it's all these agencies that are there and i told him i said listen and i said why don't y'all just go, this dude is adamant. He's at work last night, adamant. He's on the security cameras. He he clocked in right before 6. He stayed there. His workstation is, is on security cameras. He's got a 100 and some people that he worked with all night. He had three breaks during the, the entirety of the night, one 15-minute break, then his lunch break, and then another 15-minute break towards the 12-hour, end of the 12-hour shift. And didn't leave until, like, after 6 o'clock in the morning, right? And in, I said, but they said, no, no, no let, let, let's, let's just polygraph him. And, you know, she picked him out of the photo lineup, which she did. I get that point. But I'm like, I'm thinking, by the time I was in there, you know, first of all, you could at least call his work, and but it wasn't my case. You could have called his work, didn't do it. And, but damn sure you could have sent somebody, all, you asshole, else, all the guys standing around, drinking coffee, waiting on me to run this four- or five-hour polygraph, however long it's going to be, one of them could have rode over to this plant, which is open 24 hours a day, and checked to see if this guy was at work, right? If he's at work, shit, then there's no need for a polygraph. And even though she picked him out of the photo lineup, if he's at work and you got all those eyewitnesses, that's that's no bueno. It's no good. um, I'm going to tell you this, too. And we'll get into it in some other cases in real life real crime in the future. Eyewitness testimony is probably the most unreliable testimony there is when a person's under that kind of stress. And especially flip it back. The she had been up for what, forty-eight hours or whatever it was when she um, and I'm taking her back through the case of what actually happened when they, she was abducted from her house. I'm, I'm taking her back through it mentally, frame by frame. Whereas all day long she had been a suspect, right? And she had been treated as a suspect. Eyewitness testimony so unreliable because most people, when they have a gun in their face, you get what you call tunnel vision, right? And in, and, and I'm saying, I'm not saying that it's not good. I'm just saying if if there's a breakdown. In an area like that, especially somebody that's under that kind of stress, it—I it, mean—it does happen a lot. Y'all heard it in, in the other case we did uh, on—I shot that man. The eyewitnesses uh, uh, picked out the wrong person out of the crowd. That was a shooter, right? Same thing. But I mean, law enforcement has to work with what they have to work with. But I asked him again, I said, man, why don't you go out there and just talk to somebody or look at the cameras from last night?" No, no, no. Go on and do the polygraph. We already got his ass. We got him on the eyewitness stance. Not, not my case. I am with me. All right. So I go back in and I sit down. And I told him, said, look, we got to make up the relevant questions for this examination. And relevant meaning the most important, right? And, and so the relevant questions would be, did you sit back up? I didn't have to ask him about the bank robbery, right? He was being charged with the aggravated kidnapping and by breaking into her home, taking her at gunpoint, duct taping her up. He's the one that she eyewitnessed. So that's what I'm asking about. So on a polygraph examination, whenever you can, you don't want to use emotion evoking words. Like instead of saying, did you kill that man last night? say, did you shoot that man? It's a little bit different, but it still takes a little bit of the motion out. On uh, uh, well, this case, the I, I asked him, I said, dude, tell me what happened. I mean, he said, I told you. I was shit. I was at work. I don't know what the hell happened. I said, well, let me tell you what they said happened. And I explained to him. I said that she got out of her car at her house on Highway 43 in Albany. He said, yeah. I, he said, I know her. And he said, I went to high school. I've known her my entire life. I know where she lives and everything. I know her family and all of it. And I said, well, she said she got out, and when she went to open the door, that three people bum-rushed her from behind, pushed her into her house, put a gun on her, started duct-taping her up, et cetera. And then I said, dude, she picked you out out of a photo lineup. She said she, she saw your facial features, and she said she heard your voice. And I said, I mean, you kind of got to understand where these cats are coming from, that they, they go go and pull you on that, right? I mean, it's way beyond probable cause. And he was like, I understand mistakes happen. He said, but I'm telling you, I didn't do it. I was at work. Go pull my shit, man. I'm begging you, just please go pull my shit. I said, dude, I asked him. And he said, I, I really did. I and, you know, But they want you to take the polygraph. And he was like, So anyway, back to the question. I said, look, I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm not going to ask you, did you kidnap her or whatever? I said, when is the last time you saw her? He said, the last time I saw that girl is when we graduated high school, dude. It's been years. I said, okay. So it's easy for me to ask you on the polygraph, did you see her yesterday? He was like, yeah, yeah, I, I can answer that. No, I didn't see her. I was at work. I said, well, yeah, it's going to be a yes or no question. Did you see her yesterday, her being the victim? Y'all, of course, I used her name. And um, he said, no. I said, good. I said, did you enter her home uh, yesterday evening? He was like, no. I was at work at that time. I said, did you enter her home yesterday evening? He said, no. And I said, did you enter our home around 7.30 or after 7 o'clock p.m.? And, and he's like, at 7 o'clock p.m., I was on the line doing my job. And so got him through the stuff, right? <laughs> and he, we'll review the questions in depth, et cetera, then I gave him the, the long explanation of how the polygraph works and all that good stuff, and then attach him to the instrument. I run my practice or acquaintance test, in which I have him lie to me on one out of eight questions. I don't know which question he's going to lie about. At the end of the test, he's strapped up on this big chair, y'all. The polygraph chair has these long metal arms that are wide where you can put your whole arms on it, and they sit about, about chest high. And separate your arms from your chest or out a little bit, and so when I say I I attach them to the instrument, I strap them to the instrument. That means you have two tubes that go across your. One goes across your upper chest, and one goes across your abdomen. Okay, and they measure, they kind of measure breathing, but not directly breathing. Uh, uh, It measures any difference in the muscle movement in in your intercostal and your abdominal muscles. The second thing while you well, you have the arms up on the chair, like that. Is yeah, he had, had two finger plates on, and back then they used to call it galvanic skin response, now they call it the electrodermal activity, it's skin sweat. That's all it is. The uh, fancy new words for science, whatever. The um, so that's on one hand, right? And on the other hand is the blood pressure cuff, not the hand, the other upper arm is the blood pressure cuff, and that is measuring. Any difference amount of blood flow into that artery it changes under stress. And basically, when I'm looking at my computer screen, or you see the old, the old timey polygraph machines on TV where the needles jump up and down, each one of those needles you see it records one of those areas I just told you about, right? But I have the same thing on the computer screen. It's actually more sensitive than what we used to call the old ink slinger instruments. But uh, the top two lines. Or for the tubes on the chest, that you can call it breathing, whatever. So and it makes like little, uh, little mountains, right? Okay. The second line, the, and they're in blue. The second line is, is that galvanic skin response or the EDA they call it now, uh, and it's measured on your screen as a green line. All right, and and then at the, this house, it might not. And on the bottom is where the blood pressure cuff is monitoring the blood flow into the brachial artery, you see that. You can actually see each uh, heartbeat of the person. It's measured in little lines. Every time your heart beats, the uh, you have it, right? So back to the blue lines, the, the pneumos is what they're called, the, the one across your upper chest and your abdomen. That uh, Why they, everybody relates it back to breathing is each little mark is a breath. It's an inhale and an exhale. And remember this, an average person takes between 12 to 16 breaths per minute. All right? reason I'm telling you all this, not to make you polygraph experts because you're about to hear this shit go down. So I went made up the rest of the questions, like I said, uh, for the test. And then the first one's like, are you now sitting down? Yes. Why do I ask him that? Because I know he can't lie to me about it, right? It's a known truth. Second question, regarding if you saw that girl or whatever, the victim's name is, regarding if you saw her last night, do you intend to answer each question truthfully? He answers yes, right? That's called a sacrifice relevant. And that is the first question in the test. It's not scored. It's the first question in the test. So he hears her, her name already, and whether he did or didn't do it, but he knows he's being tested about her. uh, It helps take off the edge for the relevant questions when they come later on. So I asked him a question. Did you see her last night? No. And, again, I give them real strict instructions on how to sit and answer. Uh, It's yes or no. Don't move the whole nine yards. So then I ask my first comparison question. Then I ask the question, did you see her yesterday? No. Boom. I mean, I'm sitting there. I'm watching my shit. I tell them that I don't score as it's going along, okay? But I'm watching my screen trying to keep my poker face, he's, he's sitting to my right facing back towards me, but, uh, almost he can't see the computer screen, but he could see out of the corner. If he was watching, he could see my reaction. So I have to sit there with no reaction. I shit you not the, okay. So on the, on the, on the blue ones, the, 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 uh, one on your chest and the one in your stomach, the, the less you breathe or the less those, when you ask the question they respond, the smaller those get, the worse it is for you, deception indicated. Uh, his flat line. And then they and on the charts it's measured in in um, five second interval intervals, right? So I'm watching it. He, it looked like he died. If you ever see it on the on a movie when they had the beading beaty and he goes be and his shit went flat. The next one, the green one, the now before the test starts, um, when I do that practice test, what I'm really doing is balancing out the nerves and tuning them their physiology into the instrument because everybody's different. Like some people have more skin sweat than others, and some people breathe different, whatever it could depend on your body size, etc. The green one, you, you set it at your baseline where it's kind of like as smooth as it can be, right? And, and when you ask a question on, on the practice test, you can see, or you tell them to take a deep breath, and you'll have a little bit of a response there. That's some bitch. Went off my computer screen. It went, bam. Like I was like, holy shit, right? And and then the heart uh, that you could see through the arm, through the brachial artery, it went from being flat on the page, but looking at the heart, he's one, boom, 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 boom. I asked him the question and went, boom, 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 boom. I mean, it took off. Went off my freaking computer screen. Look, it looked like he hit he hit a, the meth pipe while he's sitting in my chair. I'm like, holy shit! And here I am. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a total rookie examiner, but I, I got a couple months in. And, and but I'm like, holy shit! And I've never heard of this in polygraph school or in all the other tests that I've done or anything. And I'm and like, I'm freaking out because I don't know what to do. First of all, and and so I'm trying to bring it back to. Well, I guess people call it a baseline, I'm trying to bring it back down before I ask the next question. Because when you ask the question, they respond, and it's 25 seconds, and your next question kicks up. You have to ask it. You don't have to, but you can make it go longer. But your next question kicks up. And shit, my stuff's all off the screen. His heart's off the screen. His skin sweats off the screen. And the breathing quit. He quit. And I'm, it took me a, Like 15 seconds, I look over and say, hey, hey, I said, hey, man, you got to relax. I said, you got to breathe. I mean, shit, he wasn't breathing. And I said, you're going to pass out. And look, he was sweating in on that metal chair where they had the hands up for the galvanic skin response. I could see pools of sweat coming, literally developed on the metal chair underneath his hand. I'm like, holy shit, man. And I mean, it it was the larger, okay, let me digress. The, the more response you have from the heart, naturally, the worse for you it is. The larger you have from the skin sweat, the worse it is. And this is the worst I've ever seen. So it looks, to, and the more suppression in the blues, and he, he flatlined. He wasn't breathing at all, and couldn't be any worse for him, deception indicator wise. But I had to stop the test. Uh, just fuck me up, you know. And 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 I'm looking at him, and he's he starts to breathe again, and doing all this, and I'm like, oh, shit, man. And I said, look, man, you got to relax. And I stopped testing. So you got to relax. The look I'm not here to hurt you. Uh, you know, we just got to get you through this, et cetera. And, you know, why don't you just take a minute and, and chill and, and breathe and just relax for a minute, and I'm going to be back. But, fuck, I didn't want him passing out in my chair and stuff, and I'd never seen it before. So I actually left, and this is, like, in the middle of the night now. I left the room and I went and called one of the best polygraph examiners in the world. His name is Mark Handler. He teaches all the federal schools. He's a super cool cat. He lived in Kentucky at the time. His wife's a brain surgeon. Middle of the night. But we were tight and and we made that connection in the school. And then it just so happened that the American Polygraph Association convention was in August that year. So right after I, uh, passed my boards and everything, all those guys, the top dogs came to New Orleans and we threw down, right? So we're podding us. And he told me, anytime, day or night, whatever you call me, so I called him, I said, Handler, I said, Listen, man, I hit this dude's shit and it just, it went off the screen. He said, Well, you got, you got a deception indicated. I said, I, mean, I don't know. You know, and I said, What I do? He said, Turn all your settings, your sensitivities all the way down uh, on the galvanic skin response and on, on the, uh, the heart rate when he said you got to run it you got to ask the questions and he said you got to believe in your charts that's one the thing they taught us in the school the you have to believe in your charts and anyway so he talked me off the ledge i go back in and shit you know never let him see you sweat and i, uh, I mean, i'm all cool and calm collect i said hey man you you, you chill you know you're ready to do it again he's just just defeated man he's kind of slumped down sitting in his chair, and I'm just like, I mean, you mean get you some water or something, dude? And he's like, no, no, man, let's just do this shit. Let's do this. He said, did they go to my work? Did they go to my work and and, and see that I had left? I said, I can go up there and talk to them. I said, I went and took a, a little break, you know? And he said, let's just do this. Said, Sit down, do it again. Make it do what it do. <laughs> he then said, test's about to begin. Please remain still. We're good, right? He's got all normal shit. Um. First question. Are you now sitting down? Yes. All good stuff. Next question. Regarding whatever her name is, victim's name is, do you intend to answer his question truthfully? And you always get a little response there. That's sacrifice relevant I told you about, right? But that's not score. We're good. First comparison question. I mean, he's got some response, but you're supposed to on that one. But then I asked in that first relevant, did you see her yesterday boom i had turned it all the way down y'all and the stuff is still going as high as it can i'm like holy shit the, the green line goes off the page pew, like a rocket it shot out somebody's ass right i mean it's, it, it's just disappears and the heart goes up like he's smoking crack in my office and he just hit a meth pipe or a crack pipe and i'm like fuck man here we go and and he quit breathing again and and I told him I said I said you have got to breathe and then and he started recovering. So I, I, just, I just pushed through with it. Right next question, relevant question: Did you see her last night? No. Boom. It green's gone again. Heart's gone again. Now again, this is twenty five seconds later, and after it went off the first question, I brought him back down to a baseline and asked question again. So it's an explosion worst you could do i mean i don't think that you could put a numeric property or a score on how bad this dude's test was yes his sugar had turned to shit unbelievably right or maybe it was mine but 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 you're gonna find out so anyway he blows it up i asked a third relevant question he blows it up and i'm like fuck in the end and so Say so the test is now complete. Please remain still. Ten seconds. I wait. Stop the test. Now, remember, under Louisiana law, for it be, to be valid, we have to do it at least two separate times, right? Well, in this one, I'm running this bitch as many times as I can because I want proof that I, this actually happened, all right? I never heard about it, never seen. I mean, I've seen some great responses, you know, uh, but not like this. Let's get into the second test. Now, normally, if a person as deception indicated they're lying as the test goes along, their score will actually get worse. They will, um, the test begins to break them down mentally. They know that, uh, whatever they're trying to do to make themselves pass or whatever, it's not working, et cetera. But I don't tell me anything. I just, you know I'm not scoring it. Don't ask me anything. Um, take it. We're going to rest your arm for a minute. We do it again. Second test worse. Now I had turned my sensitivities all the way down and and, and every time I asked him a relevant question, did you see her yesterday? Boom. Green's, green's gone. Heart rate. I mean, I don't know how else to equate. I, I don't know how you could make your heart jump that fast without somebody putting a gun in your face or doing some kind of dope, right? And, but, and he would stop breathing. And I'd have to tell him, I said, you need to breathe and relax. So anyway, did it again. Take a break, right? Horrible. The worst I've ever seen as far as deception indicated. I'm like, he had to be there. If if You you have to believe your charts, right? The polygraph and all this studying I'd done and and everything and uh, all this hell I'd gone through to get this license. Had to be there. This is better than textbook. And wait, I did it a third time. Same shit. Every time I asked him the relevant questions, he smoked it. Smoked it and look, look, his physical body and deterioration. I mean, by this time, he is slumped down in that chair. It looked like he'd been stabbed or shot. He's slumped down in the chair. His arms are hanging up. I had to tell him several times to pick your head up. I mean, he was just sweating by. He is drenched. And I let him drink some water in between tests. He's drenched. He's it looks like he's morally and mentally defeated. I can't figure out why unless he's guilty as shit, right? And then I did it however many times, y'all. And it is to this date. And this has been 16 years and thousands and thousands and thousands of polygraph tests I've run. I quit counting over 3,000, I think, years and years ago. All my years as a polygraph examiner, I have never seen someone fail a test as bad as this cat failed it, okay? And so we get done unattach him from the instrument and I go out, uh, you know, tell him give me a minute, but I gotta get back into my come back in for what's the interrogation part basically, right? And we got done and and I always ask him I said, How do you think you did? And he said, And I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, Oh shit. We might have something here. Maybe I mean maybe he's lying about work. He's his boss man's gonna cover for him or something. I didn't know. But, uh, so I let him be for a minute. I went upstairs, and all the powers of be were standing around. I said, did y'all go send somebody or talk to somebody at his job yet? No. Waiting on the test, we already got a warrant for him based off of her six-pack. He said, how'd he do? I said, shit, it's how he didn't do. I said, I'm surprised the dude's living. And I said, you wouldn't believe if you knew about polygraph and I could explain it to you, you wouldn't believe how bad he did. I said, it is the absolute worst case of failure that probably in the history of the world no no bullshit right and in fact y'all it was so bad when i got done with this and and tell you about the conclusion of it i got done this i actually sent to the department of defense polygraph school to the examiners and stuff and they use it as a case file study now so anyway they hadn't called to check and again they teach you the government teaches you don't let a polygraph examination take over an investigation. This The whole polygraph could have been avoided. If he was telling the truth, polygraph could have been avoided by riding your ass out to his work and verifying he's there or not. Detective work. But but now, I was like the first polygraph examiner in the area, right? So everybody was using me up in the 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 parish where the bank robbery happened, they didn't have an examiner. Uh, the nearest examiner was in uh, Baton Rouge, but he was private, or actually, Dennis Springs, but he was the chief at the time. And he didn't. Anyway, they were using me. Okay, so but I learned after this one, especially the bank manager being up for the forty eight hours and them not producing a document saying about the extended time log, and. Uh, this guy. All they had to do was go check his work records. So anyway, I go down, go back in the room, and I sit down. I pull my chair close. I say, hey, "Man, you know," I said, "Look at me. I mean, he's just slumped over. He's defeated. He's looking like he had his ass whooped, like a redheaded stepchild. I mean, he's beat the fuck down." I said, hey, man, look at me. I'm touching him on his knees, and I'm, I'm trying to make the eye contact, right? I, now, confession is what I do, and I was doing it a long time before I was a polygraph examiner and known for him, right? And so I'm, I'm trying to work my shit on him, and, and he, this dude's almost crying. He's looking, at me and he said, he said, Mr. Woody Overton. And go, That's a, one thing that struck me is he knew my name, or, or I mean, we'd only been introduced when he came in the door the one time, but he, throughout the polygraph, kept saying Mr. Woody Overton and that kind of you know threw him But I didn't think much at the time he, he just looked at me slumped down in the chair and he said Mr. Woody I'm telling you man I was at work why won't you please get them to go pull my shit man and I said well listen you failed polygraph. I said not only did you fail it you might have set a, a world of fucking record on how bad you felt and he starts shaking his head and, and he starts tearing up. I said, can you tell me what you were thinking about when I asked you the questions about her? I mean, tell me exactly what went through your mind. I said, shit, I really need to know. And I said, for my professional development, tell me when I asked you, did you see her last night, what popped into your head? He said, man, what popped into your head? He said, man, I'm done with this shit. He said, I just need to go pull my work records. I'm done with this shit, and I, I worked him, y'all. Um, but he kept calling my name. so Mr. Woody. I'm telling you, just tell him and, and uh, just tell him to go pull my shit. I said, look, it ain't gonna be that easy, All oh, so They fix to take your ass to jail, and then he's really got upset. Uh, I said, listen, it's not my jam, you know. And, and be honest with y'all, I know what my chart said that he failed like the worst in the history of the world. Dude was too adamant to me about where he was, and he, he said, you know, and please go pull it, please go pull it. Now look, he was cooperating because he's figuring maybe he's going to pass the polygraph, I guess, and and it'd be done with it or whatever. But they're taking his ass to jail. I mean, they're closing the case out, and and but it winded up, and I, I just finally told him, I said, look, man, you know, I got to I got to rock this test as deception indicated, man, on on those three relevant questions, you definitely you, you bombed the shit out of them. I mean, it, um, I said, but it's nothing personal between you and I. You know, I said, again, I don't work for those cats up there. I gave you a fair and honest test, and I'm not going to sit here all night and try to beat you out of a confession, right? He said, well, I ain't confessing the shit because I was at work. You now, is what it is. certain point, even I know when to give up on it. Now, a really good homicide interrogation, et cetera, when the people have that much at stake I always say it did not even begin until after like five hours of questioning, right? After beating up one, as long as they don't lawyer up. And on this one, this cat wasn't moving. And I went at him for however long. it was a long time. And then finally, I'm like, shit, you know what? It's December the 28th. And I always took off the, uh, the weeks between Christmas and uh, right after the first of the year for deer hunting season because that's when the deer rut where I hunt, right? I wasn't even supposed to be in this bitch. And, and now I've been up there like a day, nonstop, however many hours working with the manager and now working with this cat and all that. And I, I just had enough. And And I went up top and I said, listen, did y'all go. it has been another couple hours. Did y'all go pull his work records? Nope. What you got? It. I said, well, fuck, I told you what I got. He, he failed it. I said, I don't have a confession he ain't admitting anything, you know? And they said, well, there it is. There you have it. I said, well, the I don't know what to tell you. I said, I honestly don't. I said, it's, you know, the polygraph says he failed it. I guess I got to believe in my charts. That's what I've been taught. And I'm rocking up out of here. Boom. See ya. And so I let them do what they do. And I split. And I left. I left the state. I went hunting uh, uh, up in Mississippi. And I like to turn my shit off, right, when I go hunting and, and uh you know, we drink a lot of beer and sit around a campfire, et cetera. Uh, maybe tell old cop stories or whatever. But the I wasn't trying to think about this bullshit case. It wasn't even mine. None of this bullshit. I mean, it's not bullshit for the victim, but it wasn't even mine. But let me tell you, <laughs> tell you what happened. I came back, and it was like almost two weeks later, maybe ten days later. I don't know. One of my first days back, and but I'd been off for a while, right? I didn't keep it up. It wasn't my case. Uh, um, uh, I hadn't got called out or anything else, whatever. They, they, I had scheduled that time off, and they knew I took it off every year. First day back, I see one of the detectives who worked the case. I say, hey, man, what happened uh, with that, with, uh, that dude? And he said, that dude didn't do it. I said, what do you mean he didn't do it? He said, we ended up going to his work, and he was on camera all night. On the line working just like he said he was. They had the cameras in the break room. They had, we interviewed all the people and he didn't do it. And so that, y'all, in the polygraph world is called a false positive, meaning that I score the test false positive. Now I'm like, there ain't no fucking way. And something's, I knew something was wrong. I didn't know what it was. I didn't have time to mess with it. I had a bunch of backlog stuff. But let me tell you what happened on the bank stuff and then I'll tie it up I'll tie it all up for y'all and then this will probably be the one of the only t- times you hear me read this because I'm going to read you the actual newspaper article from back in the day <laughs> this is crazy so what happened was the uh, I guess I'll kind of paraphrase it for you the investigation you know what I'm, I'm going to throw it all out there I'm going to throw everything but the victim's uh, name right the investigation they, they, they got this cat and they took him and did what they did with him and but the investigation they got a tip that it was a teller who used to work there uh, previously at this bank and just a couple months before she got caught stealing three thousand dollars cash. They called her bring her in and when confronted she admits to stealing the money and she gave it back and she was fired. That's it, right? So the investigation, you know, as I say, the Screets talk, S-C-R-E-E-T-S, and especially, and y'all, I don't know what the exact amount of money that they got out of the vault was. But I know it was a fucking shit ton because, you know, the way the feds respond and everything else, and they never did disclose how much it was and it wasn't my case, or otherwise I would have known. And I didn't really care. But evidently they got out there on the Screets and were blowing money at whatever, and somebody ratted them out. So they started looking at this check, this this female, and that used to work the bank off a tip. And the investigation, they rolled with it, right? And not only did they find out it was that female, that uh, the teller, they found out it was her family members that were involved with her. And guess who was involved with her? Guess who was involved with her? My guy that I failed on the polygraph. Let me read this to you. And then I'm going to tell you how long they got, because I, I think how long they got is is, is just personally an offense. Um, read you the actual story. All right. I, y'all, I, I'm not sure which paper this is. It might have been the Livingston Parish News or whatever. I don't have that. Um, so I'm giving whoever wrote this, I'm giving you credit. Ponchatoula. Now, Ponchatoula, y'all have heard me talk about it before. It's across the river in Tangipo Parish. Ponchatoula. Four people have been arrested for the December 26th kidnapping of a Livingston Parish woman, according to Ponchatoula Police Chief David Vitter. Y'all, David Vitter was a good dude. He's dead now. He died not long after this. I think that, like the next year. Um, article continues. The kidnapping, part of a larger scheme to rob a Ponchatoula bank, was allegedly planned and executed by a former Central Progressive Bank employee, Kishida. Wicker Williams, 24 years old, of 64422 Wicker Lane in Roseland, Tangipo Parish, Bitter said. Now, Roseland, y'all, remember um, the girl, the victim said, they took her a long, long ways and down a gravel road. Roseland is like, Tangipo Parish is the longest north-south geographic parish in the whole state of Louisiana, and Roseland is damn near the top. So it's way up there. It's probably... It's probably 35, 40 minutes from uh, Ponchatoula. Ponchatoula is at the the southernmost end of that parish. All right, back to the article. Kashida Williams allegedly enlisted the help of her brother and two cousins to carry out the kidnapping of the bank's vault teller and to rob the bank, Vitter said. Williams was fired from the Central Progressive Bank after being accused of stealing approximately $3,000 earlier in the year, Vitter said. She returned the money and wasn't prosecuted, Bitter said. "Kashida Williams and the vault teller who was kidnapped worked at the Central Progressive Bank at the same time. The vault teller, identified only as a white female, told police she was abducted at gunpoint around 7.30 p.m. and as she got out of her car at her home on L.A. 43 between Albany and Springfield, Bitter said, the vault, teller told police she was driven to another location and held hostage in a house until dawn Wednesday, December twenty seventh, when the kidnappers drove her to the Central Progressive Bank at 200 West Hickory Street in Ponsatua, Vitter said. The kidnappers threatened to harm teller's family if she refused to use her electronic passcodes and key to enter the bank in the vault without setting off the alarms, Vitter said. Three masked burglars entered the bank, Early on the morning of December 27th, police believe a fourth man stayed outside in the getaway car, Bitter said. The vault teller told police she was released after the robbery not far from the bank at Ponchatoula's Memorial Park and by 8 a.m. had found a phone where she called 911, Bitter said. Ponchatoula police, the FBI, and the sheriff detectives from Livingston and Tanchepahoa parishes worked long hours searching for the house where the vault teller was held overnight, and the work paid off, Vitter said. It required a lot of legwork and interagency cooperation, Vitter said. Last Friday, Kishida Wicker Williams was arrested along with her brother, Daryl Wicker, 20 years old, and her cousin, Leonard Wicker, 18. All three of them lived at the same address in Roseland. On Monday, another cousin, Tyree Wicker, 17 years old, of whatever road in Vernontown Road in Roseland, was arrested. Tyree Wicker is believed to be the man who sat outside in a car during the robbery, Vitter said. The suspects have been charged with aggravated burglary, aggravated kidnapping, and carjacking, according to the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. One of the suspects has given a confession, Vitter said. Police are not yet ready to discuss the amount of money stolen from the bank or measures being taken to recover it. The kidnappers also destroyed the vault teller's white 1999 Toyota, Bitter said. It was found burned out in Mount Hermon by the Washington Parish Sheriff's Office. If they are convicted, they will be spending the rest of their lives in prison, Bitter said. The investigation got off on the wrong foot initially when the vault teller mistakenly identified 22-year-old, I'm going to say his name, 22-year-old Hammond resident Michael Winder, W-I-N-D-E-R, as one of the men who duct-taped her, Vitter said. Winder was picked up, and the bank teller picked him out of a lineup, Vitter said. Well, that's not a, that's not the order it happened in. But anyway, however, detectives soon verified w- Winder's alibi. Records show Winder had clocked in at his job in the vicinity of Hammond, airport at the time of the crime and he was released fitter said well they don't tell you about all the bullshit that I just told you about and they could have done that first now I'm to the next article um they basically what it says y'all they got uh found guilty all four of them they pled they, they they didn't take it to trial they pled to this they each received 10 years on a burglary charge and 5 years on a simple kidnapping charge, so that would be 15 years total, y'all. Um, but guess what? Those sentences were to run concurrent, not consecutive. And now, when they run concurrent, that means that the your whatever the longest one you're in for, like the burger charge, they got 10 years. If uh, it's Judge Zoe us back, that they gave it to him. But it's not really up to her, the DA. Pled it out for whatever reason, and that's cool. But here, here's my issue with it you're giving them 15 years on paper 10 years for one charge, five years for the other. But guess what? That five year charge is you're serving at the same time you're serving the 10 year charge concurrently, which means when your 10 years is up, you walk. Period. Now, let's take it up a notch. The state of Louisiana has good time for every day they served and they were good little inmates, they'd get a day off or two days off, whatever it may be. Uh so they would have been out they would have been out of prison um in five years from two thousand shit they'd have been out of prison in two thousand eleven, y'all, they're probably old people now like me sitting in a rocking chair chilling. But the that's it in now... <laughs> It is what it is. You, you heard the real truth of the story, and 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 how, always how they presented the interagency cooperation and the, the, uh, you know, hurriedly finding out Winder's alibi and all that. It is what it is. Now let me, before I tie it up, I'm gonna say one more thing. I told you that uh, to get your polygraph license, the, after you serve your internship, and in my, I was supervised by Greg LeBlanc of the Ascension Parish Sheriff's Office. Great guy, since, long since been retired. And Greg, if you're out there, peace, love you, brother. The, but um, I, you, only had, you had to have 25 tests in a year to go before the board. I had, but the earliest you go is six months. At the six-month mark, I had like 200 tests. Now, they have people that can't get their 25 tests in a year, and I already had 200 in over a half a year. Back it up. I picked, I hand cherry-picked my five tests to take to the board, right? These are the guys, and the girls have been doing it the longest, and Richie Johnson, may rest in peace. One of my dear friends who was president of the polygraph board, he was colonel for West Baton Rouge Sheriff's Office, took me under his wing the years after, great guy. And the rest of them, and most of them are deceased now that were on that board at that time, except for um, one guy, and he's, to this day, he'll always have my mad respect, uh, Mr. Zulky. But, so I gave him go in for my oral board I passed you know the, the question part and they said let's see your charts and let's score them so I gave them to them and I, I put that chart in there y'all the false positive but I didn't tell them what my score was and every single one of them said oh my god look at this this is crazy I've never seen a chart like this that was this bad you know and they all scored it the highest negative score you can get and guess what all of them were wrong I'll say Again, the polygraph is not foolproof. It's not infallible. Uh, It's a hell of an investigative tool for breaking people down, et cetera. But the best in the state of Louisiana at the time had been doing it, all of them 20-plus years, scored the same way I scored it. It said that Mr. Winder was absolutely deception-indicated when we know he wasn't. Lesson learned, I never from that day forward let somebody run me if if they brought them to polygraph an investigation like this and I'm like "Mm," first of all the FBI I want to see where she'd impress this time log show it to me if you don't have proof I'm not asking the question okay Um, as far as an investigation tool when they say oh we want you to run this guy and I'm like you know get in there and it, it could be so easily verified by going and checking one damn thing and I wouldn't do it I would refuse, and and I, but as a, a young rook examiner, I kind of felt forced into it. Plus, should I want to do it? You know, I wanted to help, want to do the test, but that was the false positive. Now, this is where we tie it back into I shot that man. So I come back. Um, and y'all, I was in court almost every day. I not for just for trials, but the they they would arraign people every day on like um you know their new charges, and and then you have a uh, motion to suppress hearings. And every search warrant I've ever written, and every confession I've ever gotten, uh, they've all been challenged, right? And why? Because it's a freebie for the defense to find out what you have in a probable cause hearing or a motion to suppress hearing, whatever. So did I was in the court. Every morning, no matter what, and then every afternoon, the morning, the people that made uh, bail, they would come in for their hearings, and then the uh, even the people that are still locked up, the real good bad guys, I like to call, uh, that didn't get bonds and shit, they would always come in, And they they would bring them in at one o'clock, all the inmates cuffed, and they they march them in, they're all chained together, and they sit them on the front row of the courthouse. I would sit in the jury box. There's no jury. I'm in there for whatever, however many subpoenas I have and how many times I have to take the stand that day to defend my shit, which I never lost any of them. But anyway, when I'm sitting there and the thing they bring them in, I'm looking over the row of inmates and I see several of mine, of course. But then I see Darian Armstrong, Darian Armstrong from I Shot That Man, right? Didn't know who he was, had the wrong person or people under arrest in that case did the polygraph on him, absolutely had no idea he was involved until the confidential informant, came forward, great kid, never been in any trouble, et cetera, and I get him in, run the polygraph on him, and I get him to confess to I shot that man. I see him in the road. I didn't have, they, they must have had like a status conference or something on his case that day because I didn't have a subpoena for him. But he saw me, he started uh, waving his hands in the chains. Now he's chained to other inmates He's waving at me like uh, that, and so I go over to him. This is before the judge comes in. He said, Mr. Woody, Mr. Woody, I need to talk to you. I need to tell you something. I need to tell you. I said, i sorry. And I got the bailiff to come over and uncuff him. I took him out in the hallway. He said, you are not going to believe this. I said, what? He said, you remember Michael Winder that you ran a polygraph on, and they, they hooked him up for that kidnapping and the robber? I said, yeah, shit, yeah, I remember, man. I said, I mean— I said, I'll never forget that case because he failed. The polygraph is the worst as you can ever see. He said, You want to know why he failed? I said, Why? He said, I'm going to tell you. Now, even though I got this guy under arrest for murder, I was cool with him. I, I treated everybody with respect. And by the time I took him to jail and booked him in, he was thanking me, right? Remember, I got him to open up and confess to me. So we're cool. He doesn't have any animosity towards me or whatever. He said, Mr. Woody. Michael Winder is my brother. Darian Armstrong, Michael Winder. I was like, "What?" He said, "Yeah, man." He said, "We got different, uh, different mamas, but the same daddy, or it might have been flipped over, whatever." He said, "But here's here's the deal." He said, "He never had any a lick of trouble, but he came to visit me. He he would come on weekends to visit me in the jail." And uh, he'd put some money in my account. We'd hang out or whatever, you know. And he felt bad that I was in prison. And and I told him my story. He said, I told him that Woody Overton got me to confess. And he said, said, Man, I can't believe you told that dude. He said, Man, you don't ever want to be in front of Detective Woody Overton. He said, I believe he could get the Pope to confess to all his dirty sins. He said, I don't know what that man did. He said, He was a cool cat. He said, But you're right. I, if I'd have said no, they'd have never had anything. He said, now I'm going to prison for the rest of my life. He said, you don't ever want to be in front of that man, I'm telling you. So guess what happened, y'all? It wasn't, however, a month or so later, and that, probably less than that, he said it was on one of his visitations, that winder gets swamp donkeyed at his house by the police. They drag him in, question him, just tell him they had this eyewitness lineup, lineup, et cetera. And he's still cool with it because I was watching it. He was cool with it, and he walks down, and they bring him in my office, and they say, this is Detective Woody Overton, and that's when his eyes went, and he started sweating because what's in his mind? Oh, my God, this is where, this is the office where this dude broke my brother down, and my brother told me, don't ever get in front of this cat because he's going to get to you to say the nastiest shit you ever did, et cetera, and say, that's what happened. And, and and he told me, he said, I, I talked to him after the test. He said, he said, Mr. Woody, he said he was sick to his stomach sitting in the same chair thinking that's where I confessed to the murder at that's sending me away for the rest of my life. And that's all he could think about. Um, and he said, when you asked him the questions about kidnapping that girl, all he could think about is you were going to get him to give a, a false confession maybe because I, I told him you were that good. And I was like, shit, man, I don't ever want to send somebody to prison wrong, right? And I said, I "I admit that I got the test wrong, and and I'm glad for him. I said, next time you see him, tell him peace and love and respect, and I'm sorry that I put him through it, but, you know, it won't happen again, right? So those investigators ruined it for the next one who wants to use the polygraph in place of uh, uh, interrogation. But that's how I tied back. Darian Armstrong from I Shot That Man, the murderer, Michael from— False positive. Worse to this day, that case is still used taught in polygraph school. Those charts, uh, how perfect they were, and how bad he felt it. That's it. So there you have it. There's a the connection. Uh, and uh, hey, Mike Winder, if you listen to this, dude, I'm sorry you got. <laughs> I'm sorry you got hooked, bro. but it wasn't just me. The girl picked you out, right? And that's why it goes back to y'all. I tell you about eyewitness testimony it can be so horrible at times. Um, that's gonna conclude part two of All's Positive, and it's also gonna conclude this season of Real Life Real Crime. And I love and appreciate each and every one of you. you rock, patron members, y'all! This is second week in a row, this time I'm doing it from my iPad. they I don't have a professional production company. Um, that patron members got to watch it live. So, y'all, that's the first. I mean, even last week, you didn't get to watch it live, live. That was the they, the production company did it. and had to send it in to get it uploaded. So y'all got to see. I don't know uh, if I did anything inappropriate or whatever, but I hope y'all enjoyed it. I appreciate you watching. We're going to do, try to do this every week for patron members. Look, lifers, I love all of you. You can't be a patron member, especially in these hard times. I get it. I want you to know that your money's been well spent, and it really does help the show. Uh, um, so... And, y'all, if you get a chance, this is that, that podcast shit i got to say. Please go to iTunes and leave us a review if you haven't. I know it's a pain in the ass. I know that they're way down on the list of platforms that people listen to us, but there's a reason for it. I don't know what it is, but if you, if you can, just take a second to leave it. So, um, a lot of people do, and a lot of people take time to leave us one stars, and some of them are really comical I don't care. A review is a review. So, and Facebook crew page, K-R-E-W-E, Real Life, Real Crime, Friends, Fans, and Crew, that private page, y'all. There's a reason I'm pushing this. We're fixing to burn some ass on Courtney Coco's case as soon as Louisiana opens up. I have a plan in my head. I haven't got her mama and her family about it yet, but I have a plan to move that case forward, but we've got to have those numbers up. Now, granted, we're huge at, at, at pushing probably 19,000 members, but those numbers matter when it comes to the media. So if you can, if you're not a member, send our Dream Team moderators. They rock, y'all. Best people in the world and from all over the world, Canada, a couple from Australia, all over the United States of America. And these people, the, the Dream Team moderators do this. They're not getting paid anything. They do it because they, they love real life, real crime, and they're the best. The They monitor that. Huge-ass group. I mean, I can't thank y'all enough, Dream Team. I love each each of y'all. Thank you so much. But send them a request. We'll get you approved. No sweats. Get you in. And that's where all the the good stuff is. Uh, um, Anyway, if you're you're a fan of real life real crime and and you're missing that page and you're just missing out on it, if y'all, if you're already a crew member, scroll up to the top of the page on um, the crew, and by members it has invite button. You hit invite and invite all your people. Shit, if they join, great. If they don't then that's cool too. Uh, but we need those numbers. Well, Barnes, mass Courtney Coco's, This time's coming. I'm telling you, but it, I have a plan. I have a master plan, but I can't do it without the support of you lifers. All right. This Barbara Blunt's case. Things are opening back up. I've been in contact with sheriff's office twice this week and we're about to, we're about to roll. Okay. So y'all, um, if you can, when you, uh, Listen this week or whatever, you know, share that Miss Barbara Blunt's episode again. Uh, we can get these COVIDs. I can't say COVID has totally shut down the tip lines um, because it hasn't, but it, it has slowed it down dramatically. Although I got a new tip today in Miss Barbara's case. So we need to share that I'll give them a patron members a thumb up. Share that. It's important. I think the sheriff art is a fantastic guy. Those detectives working on this case. We're going to, it's going to be awesome. Now that these corporations and stuff are opening back up, we're going to rock it. That's it. We've got it. Crew members. And y'all were all that other social media bullshit. I don't know what they are. Twitter, or Twitter, and Instagram, and, uh, all of the different Facebook pages, real life, real crime, lanyard page, uh, the crew page, the regular real life, real crime page, uh, whatever. I forget them all. I don't even go to my. I haven't been to my own regular Facebook page in forever. Don't send me a friend request to that page because I have five thousand. Facebook has it blocked up, so I had to create another public figure page. Send the request to that. I promise you, I won't deny you. But y'all, it, uh, all of y'all that send me the friend request every day, it I I clicked accept yes because evidently somebody almost every day, <laughs> defriends me, uh, on Facebook. But it's or um. If I can accept you, I will, but you need to do it on that other page. And I don't know what it's at, Woody Overton, Real Life or Crime, or something like that. I'm smiling at my patron members, y'all, the, uh, on the video. Of course, now that this video will forever be up two days early on the patron page. Um, y'all, patron members that are getting to watch this now. They uh, The lifers won't get this until sometime late Saturday evening. So um, we'll try to bring you more and more content. We have more stuff to bring you. We're going to bring you more and more content. Thank you again. Absolutely adore you. Um, everybody else, love you, love you, love you. Thank you so much for, look, all your little comments and stuff that y'all share and, and, and I read or you message me, I message y'all back. It means the world to me, man. I mean, um, I, it really does. And I do appreciate you. I don't think there's a person out there that can say I, I haven't messaged them back or hit them back. And you know, as long as I'm breathing and my fingers don't fall off, sometimes at night, Uh, My real busy time is between like 6 p.m. and midnight, right? Sometimes at night my thumbs are about to fall off. But anyway, I'll get back to you. I love all of you. Real life, real crime, the podcast. Next time you hear me, it'll be season 5 we It'll be rocking and rolling. And I'm probably forgetting some shit, but that's all right, too. Uh, Woody Overton, your host, real life, real crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever. So let me catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Oh, oh, oh. Get ready, you're gonna do time. Oh, oh, oh. Real life, real crime. Real Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you weekly by Woody Overton, Jim Rathman, and executive producer Toby Tomplay.